everyone. Uh, my name is Matt, if you don't know me. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at Liberty Church. Uh, we're so grateful that you've joined us today, whether you've been watching over the last eight or nine months, uh, or you were a regular part of the Liberty family, or maybe you've just found us on YouTube this morning. We're really glad that you've joined us. Um, just a quick reminder to add to what Gavin and Lottie were talking about earlier, um, we are not, we don't, we're not broadcasting any kind of service or meeting in any way on Sunday the 27th, next Sunday, but we'll be back again on the 3rd of January. Uh, we're doing that for a couple of reasons, partly to give our team for break. We've had a team that have been serving really hard over the last, um, well, since March, making this service happen. We want to give them all a Sunday off um, because they've served super hard this year. And also, we wanted to put all our energies into what we're doing on Christmas Eve. Um, so that will be broadcast at 7 p.m. Um, in the usual place on Christmas Eve. So please take this opportunity to, to invite friends and family uh, as we just sing and share about the wonder of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Um, in a moment or two, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, uh, and then I'll pray. Um, Luke chapter 2 uh, tells us some of Jesus' origin story and uh, helps us to understand what was going on in those first few days of his life. So what we're going to do now is, um, if you have a Bible... Uh, you might want to open it to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have one, it's really simple. You can just go on Google, uh, search for a Bible. Uh, we, the English translation we normally used is the, the ESV. So you can search for that. And we're going to read uh, the first 21 verses. So quite a long section, but bear with me and um, read along with us. And this will do you some good. It says this, In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house a lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you you find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to you. And they went out with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let me pray. Jesus, we just ask, as we read about your story, your beginnings here on earth, we pray you would speak right into our hearts. Remind us of the great truth of your almighty love for us. Let that penetrate deep inside us. Let it change us. We only want to be changed by your word. So let it come alive in our hearts today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the most common characters we find in this story, in this nativity play, if you've ever been to a nativity, if you've ever been to perhaps a theatre production of this Christmas story, you might come across the person known as the, the innkeeper, you know, the, the kind of Ebenezer Scrooge of the story, the kind of bar humbug who refuses entry to Jesus as Jesus is sort of tiny Tim. And the innkeeper's this cruel, cold-hearted villain of the story who turns away Jesus' family, who Mary and Joseph, this pregnant lady ready to give birth he shuts the door and sends them on their way the problem with that story the problem with that character of the innkeeper is it's completely fictional there's if you read your bibles the accounts of jesus early life in matthew or here in luke there's no the innkeeper doesn't appear he's he's made up he's a fictional character as is the stable itself where Jesus is supposed to have been born. Again, that's not, it doesn't actually appear in the, in the story. This is a fable, a myth. And we, people believe that story because of what it says in here in Luke chapter 2, two that um, Jesus was born in a manger because there was no room at the inn. And by inn, we, we picture a sort of a restaurant, a pub, a bar, a kind of a a hotel, that sort of arrangement. But actually, if you look, a lot of Bibles will have a, a footnote that will say, or it says in, it will say at the bottom of your page, it will tell you that that probably means guest room. And what this story is actually telling us is that Jesus wasn't turned away from an inn. He wasn't born in a stable or a cave, as some stories would tell it. But Jesus was most likely born in a, in a peasant's home, that most homes in the Middle East in the first century 
would have normally had sort of two rooms. One, the living space where the family would have lived, where they would have cooked, where they would have spent their day, where they would have slept together all in one room. And they would have had a room attached to it, almost like a bit of an annex, where the animals would have lived. And they would have brought the animals in at night to bring warmth, and then they would have sent the animals out during the daytime. And some of these homes would have had a room, probably normally on top of this little house, which would have been known as the, the guest room. So later on in Jesus' story, when they're trying to find a venue for what is famously known as the Last Supper, they end up in an, in an upper room, and it's the same place. Where they had that supper, supper was probably a guest room in, in someone's home. So when it says that there was no room at the inn, it probably, it probably means that Jesus and his family, or Mary and Joseph, they arrived at a home probably of one of Joseph's relatives, and there was no room in the guest room, so Jesus was born in the, in the family room, in the living space with all the other, the other family with him and some of the animals brought in at night to provide some warmth. So why does this matter? Is this just a nice theological detail, uh, just me trying to change what you've all believed for the, all your lives and throw in some added interest to the story? Well, I think this matters because the, the popular idea of Jesus born in a stable of being turned away by the innkeeper, that story that we're told so often at Christmas time, it's a... In some ways, there's not, not anything wrong with it. It's a nice story. But it's, in many ways, it's like a fairy tale. It's something out of Disney or a Dickensian kind of story that gets told. And I think it can detach Jesus from us. It can put Jesus in a category which is a bit alien, a bit foreign to us. Because the point that this story is trying to tell us is that Jesus was born in a very normal, ordinary, lowly way. This story starts telling us that in the time of Caesar Augustus, perhaps the greatest Roman emperor that ever lived, this mighty Roman empire ruling over the whole of the known world, perhaps the greatest superpower that there's ever been, Jesus arrives on the scene, unheralded, um, there's, no, there's no great fanfare or committee to welcome him. He's not born into a palace. There's no great procession in Rome. He's born the greatest king of all. He's born in a very lowly, ordinary, normal, everyday way. And Jesus bursts into the middle of our ordinary, everyday, normal lives. And he comes to offer hope of transformation. He comes to offer hope and joy, freedom. He bursts into our normal humdrum existence. That's what this story is trying to tell us, that Jesus enters into a world just like ours, into a home just like ours. See, Jesus... Christ the Lord, he didn't arrive to lord it over us. He arrived to be one of us, to live life as we know it. 
says in 2 Corinthians that for our sake, he became poor. That all the riches of heaven, he gave up to become poor. To become like one of us. This is how Jesus even describes himself in Matthew 11. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. In Zechariah, when it prophesies about this Messiah that's to come hundreds of years before Jesus is born, it says, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's how Jesus comes to us, humble, lowly, this king, Christ the Lord, comes to us in a very ordinary, normal, lowly, humble way. That's how Jesus arrives. And he doesn't just arrive in a, in a lowly way. He comes to the lowly. He comes for people just like me, just like you. And Mary's already sung about this, as Dan was talking about uh, uh, last week in Mary's song. She sings about how this king that's to come, that she's bearing in her womb, he will bring down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of humble estate. See, to announce this good news, the angel appears to an unworthy band of shepherds. Again, there's a, 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 a popular misconception of this story. We think of kind of happy, friendly shepherds. They seem quite nice and cuddly. But what this story is trying to tell us is that in the first century Middle East, to be a shepherd was basically meant you were the, the lowest of the low. It was a pretty humble job. They're often looked down upon, not respected they were just cast out into the fields at night to look after the animals. And yet that's how Jesus arrives. That's how this angel comes to announce this good news of great joy comes to the, the lowliest people around, comes to the most ordinary people around to proclaim this great message of salvation. And we find the shepherds at Nighttime. That's making a point to us in the story. That Jesus' arrival is announced in the middle of the night, in the darkness, in the depths of the night. This light of glory shines to them, bringing wonderful hope. And Jesus is born in a peasant's home. He's laid in a manger and that would have been for the shepherds a, a personal sign. It would have been a home that they were very familiar with. It would have been a, a way of existence, a way of life that would have been normal to them. What, what this story is telling us is that Jesus has come for ordinary, everyday people. And the, this passage is shouting this to us that in all our 
unworthiness, in all our lowliness, in all our humdrum normalness, he's come for those of lowly, humble estate. People like you and me, ordinary people. He comes to us in the darkness, in the night of our sin, to shine in his glorious light, to bring us his wonderful good news of great joy. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Our King is coming to us, righteous and having salvation, comes to us humble on a donkey. That's how Jesus' story ends, of him before his crucifixion, arriving in Jerusalem, led into the city on a donkey. This king of salvation arriving with humility, humbleness. As we were getting ready for our uh, carol service that we were all going to see on the 24th in a few days' time, a few of us were praying um, about, this, about this service, praying for God's blessing and help to be with us. And uh, Heri, who's a dear lady in the church, just as we were praying, she just felt God remind her of this scene of the shepherds coming to this baby Jesus. And they, they just come and worship. This is in this story. They go away glorifying, praising God. And she was reminded of how that's, that's exactly how we get to come to God. The same worship and adoration that the shepherds and the wise men, we can read their story in Matthew, how they come and just worship this tiny, wonderful saviour. That's the same worship that we get to bring to him. Because this humble, lowly saviour has come to humble, lowly people to make a way for us so that we might be able to enter into his presence, to worship him, to praise him. You see, there's, there's no one more approachable than Jesus. There's no one more welcoming. That's this, this beautiful picture of these lowly shepherds, no more really than, I guess, like rubbish collectors or something like that of our day. They get to come into the presence of this baby Jesus, this infant, glorious Christ the Lord, King of all creation. He's wonderfully hospitable, welcoming, approachable. You can approach him today the same way as those shepherds did 2,000 years ago. You can come and be with him today. See, we think that if we come to Jesus... If we come to Jesus as we really are, if we come to Jesus with all our baggage and hang-ups, all our brokenness and mess, the, the true self, the, perhaps the version of you that no one else really knows, the real you, 
We think that if we come to Jesus with all of that, he'll, he'll send us away with a, with a harsh rebuke. He'll give us a, a telling off. He'll give us a lesson. Five points to improve ourselves. Go away and fix it. <laughs> That's not how Jesus receives us. He welcomes us just as we are. See, because later on as we go through this story, if we go through these gospel accounts of Jesus' life, we get this picture of how he treats people. He looks upon crowds of people and he's filled with compassion. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. We see him going to the, the blind and they go away over their sight. He comes to lepers and they go away healed and clean. People come to him and Jesus has pity on them, has mercy on them. He has compassion on them. Again and again, that's the Jesus we meet in the Bible. In the book of Titus, it says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. If you want to understand the beauty of this incarnation of Jesus coming, Emmanuel, to dwell with his people, it's that the grace of God has appeared. The great Puritan writer from a few hundred years ago, Richard Sibbs, said, Christ is nothing but pure grace clothed with our nature. It's what this Jesus is that we meet in this story. He's pure grace poured out for us, pure compassion and mercy that we come to meet, that we come to know. If you see how, see how the shepherds return after being with Jesus, it says in verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. See, when you experience this kind of wonderful love and acceptance of mercy and compassion, that, that's how you leave. You go away refreshed. You go away having had your heavy burdens removed and replaced instead with his light, easy burden, his grace, his refreshment. See, in, in Christ, God couldn't love you more. He can't. He loves you perfectly. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And his love for you will stay the same yesterday, today, forevermore. He loves you perfectly today. So how should we respond? What do we need to do this Christmas time? Well, our task is it's really quite simple. We just get to come to Jesus. Maybe for you that might be for the very first time to come to him and admit your sin, bring all your brokenness to him and receive his grace. Or maybe you've been a Christian for many, many years. Maybe in this season, this year, this week, you're just feeling the, the, the heaviness you're feeling a, a burden, maybe like a darkness. Come to him. Receive his 
light, his grace, his, his easy burden. In one of my favorite books of this year, written by Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly, which I recommend you all read, he says this. It's a wonderful little quote. He said, your Christian life boils down to two steps. Number one is go to Jesus. And step two is see step one. That's <laughs> what your Christian life is all about. Go to Jesus. Whatever you're walking through, what, whatever life looks like for you, what, what you need is more of Jesus. When it says in, in Hebrews that we can now approach the throne of God because of Jesus' work for us, is because at his throne we find grace and mercy. That's what you need today. That's what the shepherds experienced when they came to this baby Jesus. That's why they left glorifying and praising God. Because they experienced the, the raw love and goodness, even from this tiny baby. That's why the angels were singing glory to God, peace on earth for those whom he has blessed. When you receive this grace, this mercy, it will bring deep peace to your soul. That's what we all need at the moment, the peace of God, because we know we're loved, eternally forever loved, not because of anything we've done, but because of the wonderful love of Christ for us. And that's the good news of great joy that we all need to know this Christmas time. Today we can come to Jesus, that he hasn't social distanced himself from any of us. And if you're feeling lonely, far away from home and family, isolated, come to Jesus. He's, he's the best friend you could ever hope for, the best companion, the greatest father, the lover of your soul. Come and pour your heart out to him. Receive his tender love and mercy and compassion. I'm going to pray for us and then the band are going to lead us in worship. Jesus, we thank you. We just thank you for your phenomenal grace. That even in this Christmas story, we see a picture of it. That you come to us and our ordinariness in our lowliness in our everyday life you've come to be with us not to lord it over us but you've come to be this gracious humble lord of our hearts and you've come to show us your grace to lead us into your mercy and compassion and i just pray for anyone watching this who just feels lost, bereft, just hopeless today. I pray right now just they would feel a fresh wave, a flood of your mercy pouring over them. Because that's what, that's what happens when we come to you, Jesus. We just discover your goodness. We don't get sent away with a rebuke. We're welcomed into your presence because our sin has 
been forgiven now. Your grace has come to us because of your wonderful work for us on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that we can all just sing our hearts out now and respond and come to you as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.